Amen. Shall we all rise, please? Let's stretch ourselves. It's been a long sitting. Amen. Isn't it awesome that God is really arming us for a blessed time, also arming our children for a blessed time? To him alone be all the glory. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you because you are such a good daddy. You think so good about us. You plan so well for us. For your delight is in the prosperity of the righteous, all-round prosperity. Thank you, merciful Father, for the rest of the things that you have for us for today. You are so good at, so good at feeding us. And we know that so sumptuously we shall be fed again. We give you the praise and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Wow. The best life is the life in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you're good to go. Hallelujah. Our theme again for the family month is um, being motivated by God's love. And that's our text, your topic for today too. Being motivated by God's love. The text is taken from 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14. It says, let everything you do be done in love. Through love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. Let everything you do. And of course we know that everything means everything. Everything means everything. And he said it has to be done in love. And he goes ahead to qualify the kind of love. He says, true love. And that true love, the only kind of love that is true is God's kind of love, which is the agape love. And this love has to be shown to God, to others, and to yourself, because you are man too. He said, True love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. So which means it has to be God's kind of love, the kind of love that he displayed to us. Colossians 3.17 also emphasizes that. It says, let every activity of your lives, every activity of your lives, and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. You know the word drenched, you know, something that is totally soaked. Say, be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring your constant praise to God the Father. And he gave us the reason, because of what Christ has done for you. So kind of pause for a moment and think about your life. You're waking up in the morning, every middle of the way of the day, and the end of the day when you, you put your head on the pillow. You say, let every activity, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from this it has to be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So that means you don't allow 
the unkindness of this fallen world to affect your speech or the things you do and make you abrasive, that is, you're rough to yourself, rough to others. You don't allow those things because you now belong to a new kingdom, the kingdom where Jesus is the Lord. You know, everybody likes to be spoken to softly and gently with courtesy. You can imagine what happens when you are so abrasive in your speeches to someone. In other words, you're not mindful of what comes out through here. It's going to affect your emotions. It will affect your relationships. So that's why the Bible says, let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant and winsome, seasoned as it is with salt. I've been kind of learning a lot when I started working with some people in this country. The way they talk so softly, their relationships, even when there is something to be corrected, there's this grace, and yet some of them are not even born again. But we have the Spirit of Christ in us. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. So, because of what Christ has done for us, that's what that Colossians 3.17, the last line said to us. The reason we have to do all these things is because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We know that 2 Corinthians 5.15 said, you know, you know, that those of us that we live, say, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. The day you said yes to Jesus, your life is no longer yours. So that's why he said, we should live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. That means from the waking up moment down to the time you, you sleep, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you live for him who died for you. The Bible said in Romans eleven sixteen. let's take it together. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him. And all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Amen. So be it. So what is he saying? Your life, your health, your marriage, your academics, success in life, everything must begin be centered in and end in him. For all things live through him. All things consummate. That's that complete. In him, your marriage is complete. In him, your academic is success. In him, 
Your health is awesome. All things come from him and they are through him and to him are all things. You kind of remember where you came from. For those of us who are born again, what your life was like before you got born again and what it is after you're born again. First Peter 2, 9, 10 called us. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you joined God's special people. But there's a reason. He said that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he said, who once we are not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In Christ Jesus, we have obtained mercy. In, in him, we've been accepted in the beloved because he is the beloved son of God. So the day you said yes to him and he comes to indwell you, you become God's beloved. You become God's beloved son or God's beloved daughter. So as you keep on hearing this gospel of grace, you find that your life becomes better and better in appreciating the love that the Father has for you in Christ Jesus and you are better able to display the life of Christ, the life of love, the life of peace. Because his love will overwhelm you so that it begins to spill over to all other people around you. Amen? So that's why I say that the best life is a life in Christ. Hallelujah. Paul understood this very well. And that's why he began to appeal to the believers in Romans 12.1. He said... I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual Worship because of the mercies of God. You know, we are living sacrifice because in Christ Jesus we've been made alive. You know, but the thing about sacrifice, usually the sacrifice has to be blameless you know, without any blemish. And a sacrifice is a sacrifice, which means when it's presented, it doesn't have a cell of it, so it just stays there because it's a sacrifice. And we are living. But then the thing is that Something gets on the way that sometimes hinders us from effectively being that living sacrifice. And that is the flesh. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessel. We have this treasure, this glorious gospel, the light of God, Jesus Christ, living in us. On, you know, our earthly suit kind of a lot of times gets on the way. But when I talk about earthly suit, I'm talking about our mind, will, and emotion. So that's why, as a believer, we have to do this in his strength. We can't do it in our own strength. We don't have what it takes to love 
But when you receive Jesus, you receive the ability, then it begins, you begin now to grow in that so that you will allow that that is already in you to flow out to touch others, others around you. That's why Philippians 2.13 says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Not in your own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. And Paul goes ahead in Philippians 4.13 to say, I have strength because he has Jesus. And we have Jesus, so we have strength for all things in Christ who empowers us. We are ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into us. We are sufficient in, we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So we know that Jesus came to help us. So when he lives inside, our job is now to totally depend upon him. For this life of love to flow through him who is in us to touch lives around us. The Bible said that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So by being born again, you have one spirit with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have received the spirit of Christ in you, the spirit of sonship, whereby we now cry, Abba, Father. So it is no longer your life, it is his life. And then we now have to allow ourselves to be led by the spirit. We allow ourselves, when he prompts you, to respond in certain ways, you simply yield. You simply submit. The Bible said of us in 1 Corinthians 2, 16b, that we have the mind of Christ. Remember, we, are, we have joint spirit with him. So by that, we have the mind of Christ. We, have, we hold his thoughts and purposes. We know what God is thinking about. We have the ability to know. The reason is because in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 14, let's look at what the Bible said. Let's read it together. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, ready, go. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, given to us, that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor, and blessings so freely and lavishingly bestowed on us by God. Verse 14. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are fully meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. So you see, it's only by the Spirit of God that you are able to know these things that have been freely given to you. There are so many things. You find that as you keep fellowshipping with the Word of God, the things that are yours. And anybody that doesn't have the spirit of Christ cannot know those things or will not even appreciate them. 
So that's why the beginning of the beginnings is that, that you must have God's DNA, which is the spirit of Christ. We have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts already. So you have love to, to give out. It's there. And um, of course, we know how deeply the Father loves us. Romans 8.39 says, There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can do what? Distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. When you have Jesus, that's the whole of it, the whole of God's love in you. Amen? But we have to know. We have to know that you know that you know how deeply you are loved by the Father. Because, you know, when you know that, when you understand it, and you're overwhelmed with it, it begins to flow through you. And Jesus himself said that this is the only way people can identify you as mine if you have love one for another. That's how they identify you as a follower of Jesus. Because that his love will definitely be showing out because you have him. So it is important that we constantly remind ourselves of who we are and what we have in him. <clears throat> um, Galatians 3.27, I want us to read it together. Ready, go. For as many of you as we are baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, have put on, clothed yourselves with Christ. So you see, if you have been baptized into Christ, what does it mean to be baptized into Christ? It means you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said, you have put on Christ. You are in spiritual union with him. You are wearing him as a cloth. He becomes your new cloth. In other words, you have taken on his characteristics and values. You have his mind. You have his character. You have his conduct. You have his thoughts and purposes. You have his ability. You have his wisdom, you have his power, you have his glory. Everything that made God God is in Jesus. And you have Jesus, so you have all these things. You have them in you. And that's why he told us that in 1 John 2, 20, he said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Because you have the Holy One in you. You have the anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Why will you be saying you know all things? It's not in your brain. It's because of the Jesus that is in you. He knows all things. And because he's in you, you too, you know all things. By his spirit in you. By your spirit that the Holy Spirit is indwelling. You know all things. And then verse 27 now says... But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That anointing teaches you to be patient, 
to love, to be faithful, to be mindful of where you're going or what you're doing. There's a song we used to sing, anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me, anointing fall on me. But he said the anointing is already in you. When you have Jesus, you have the, all the anointing that you can ever need. The Bible said of the apostles of old, he said that all of them put together, that none is greater than John the Baptist. And then he went ahead to say that, that the person who is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. When you have Jesus, you have all the anointing that you need. There's no anointing greater than what Jesus has, and he's in you. You are his resident address. You are his temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. What we really need is a renewal of our mind to what is already ours. In Ephesians chapter 4, 23, 24, let's read it together. It says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. He said, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. That means, you know, by having that fresh mental and uh, you know, spiritual attitude, you kind of constantly live in the consciousness of the fact that you have love. You are love. You have his ability. You have his wisdom. You have patience. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And then verse 24 says, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image. That is God-like. That's why a child of God is God. Jesus is called King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who do you think is the other Lord? Who do you think is the other King? He's talking about you and I. He said, Put on the new nature, which means allow your new man to dominate. Live inside out. Don't live outside in. Live inside out. Paul said we don't look at people based on what we see again. We judge them based on their new man, the fact that they belong to God. Live in the consciousness of who you are in Christ. That's what he's telling us. And put on the new nature, the regional self, created in God's image, God-like. It doesn't mean that you are the big God. But what it, thinks, what it means is that you have what God has. Because God lives in you. Jesus lives in you. You know, say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be say, don't be conformed to this world because you don't belong here anymore. Even though you are in the world, you are not of the world. You belong to a new kingdom. So don't allow this world to mold you. Be transformed. And it's a daily thing. It's a constant thing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't need more of God. What you need is more of the revelation of the God in you. More of revelation of who you are in Christ. More of revelation of Jesus, who is now your life. You need less of flesh. Like Paul said, I must decrease, he must increase. Flesh must have to decrease and get off. So that the light, the glory of Christ, that treasure that is in earthen vessel, you, will be showcasing 
in all your relationships. That's why we are told to put to death our members. Those things interfering in that new, those awesome, awesome things deposited in your new man, those things hindering them from showing out. You say, put to death those things. You will find that in Colossians 3 verse 5. So you need more manifestations of the glory that is already in you. The day you wholeheartedly gave your life to Jesus, he moved in with everything that he is. He moved in with everything that he has. He didn't move half of himself, but everything. Your old life is gone. So your old life no longer defines you. You are a child of God. You must understand this. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you died to this life. You must understand that you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And verse 4 says, when Christ, who is your life? So it's no longer your life. It's Christ's life. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear. So, your life is now Christ's life. It is Christ's life that is here. You are just simply a carrier of God. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2 from verse 3. It says, in him, let's read it together. In him... All the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. Let's stop there for a, for a, a while. All the treasures of divine wisdom. See? Or comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, how the best way to deal with people, to deal with life, to excel in life, to do things properly. Every wisdom that you need, he said that they are all stored up and lie hidden. Why is it hidden if I need them? It's for you. It's not for everybody. It's for only those who will seek. He said, you will seek me and find me when you will search for me with the whole of your heart. It's for those who have received the spirit of Christ. So, and then verse 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues. It's not stop. Continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature continues and then giving complete expression of the divine nature, of complete expression of love, of joy, of patience, of kindness, whatever. And verse 10 says, let's read that together, verse 10. And you are in him, made full and having come to fullness of life, in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual mat mat stature. Hmm. Think of that. That's you. That's you. 
And it, remember, it says, continues to do it, which means it's also in you, because Christ is in you. So, and you are complete in him. You lack nothing. The only issue is ignorance. The Bible said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's why renewal of mind is the key. You don't know you are fully loaded with what it takes to live this life successfully, to enjoy relationship that God has put around you. And that's why verse 6 of that, uh, you know, you know Col uh, Colossians says, as you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives, and conduct yourselves in union and conformity to him. Honey, please come, just one second. Yeah. You know, the, the reason I'm asking him to come because I want us to see, you know, what it means to regulate your lives. Conduct yourselves. Give me a hand. Only one hand. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. So when he says regulate, if, if you are in relationship with your spouse or maybe with your children or whoever, and there may be the way they are dealing it, you see, he says to you, love. You might not feel like it. But remember, it's no longer your life. He says regulate in conformity with his life. But he says love. You love. You yield. If he says be patient, you yield. You just simply submit. Remember, it's no longer your life. If he says give, you simply do what? You yield. If he says turn to the right, you yield. You might not feel like it. This is our right. You might not feel like it. I remember my father-in-law, my late father-in-law. I remember that one time, you know, the relationship we had with some people became sour. It was really difficult for him to love them because of the way they were dealing with him. He had a revelation and God showed up and he said to him, Christopher, love them. He said, but daddy, they are so difficult to love. He said, love them. He said, but daddy, this one, he said, love them. He said, but this, he said, Christopher, love, 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 and love, and love, and love, dot, 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 and the revelation disappeared. What is he telling us? You just simply regulate because it's no longer your life. Amen. Thank you so much, honey. <laughs> it is no longer your life. It is now Christ's life. So you say we should re walk, regulate your lives, and conduct yourselves, how? In union with and conformity to him. You don't have a choice to it because it's no longer your life. And it's the best life ever. Amen? Now, to be effective at this, verse 7 tells us in the same Colossians chapter 2, it says, have the roots, let's read it together, have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him. Hold on, hold on. What did he say? Being continually. How many times do you feed in a day? 
several times over, including snacks. So day after day after day. Say being continually, let's continue, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith. The baby today will grow, but you have to keep on feeding. The baby has everything the adult has, but it takes time for the baby to mature. In the same mind, spiritually, you have to mature. Feeding on the word, feeding on this gospel of grace, feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ, everything about him. And he said, just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. That is why Christ in you is the hope of glory. He is your life. And again, to the extent to which you renew your mind is to the, in, to the extent to which this new nature of yours, that is your spirit being that is born again, will be allowed to be in charge so that you can easily yield when you're being led to love, to peace, hold your peace, to whatever. Amen? You find yourself better able to, to display this life of Christ in whatever you're doing. You know, feelings are so fickle, and we don't have to allow our feelings to control us because that's talking about your mind, will, and emotion. And then, of course, we know to be carnally minded is equals death. When we talk about death, no peace, no joy, and all that. Yet you have joy in you, yet you have peace in you. But to be spiritually minded is just life, bubbling life, not just any kind of life. I remember some time ago, I shared here what happened to me one time at my job, what they were doing to me, and I began to sulk. And then, I, you know, when I went to pick the paper that I printed, I was just flipping through to pick the one that were mine. All of a sudden, I heard a voice said, sulking, who suffers it? I said, hmm. And I realized I was the one hurting, and those people, they were not even affected. So I saw that the best thing is for you to allow God to fight your battles. And when God did, oh my goodness, he made it awesomely so well for me. Your attitude is your choice. You can be pitiful or powerful. If you begin to allow bad attitude to rule your life because of experiences that you're having maybe with your spouse or maybe with your children or with anybody for that matter. It will affect your emotions. It will affect even your health. Nobody likes working with somebody who has a bad attitude, whether the person is a believer or not. So the best you can do for yourself is to keep your joy, guard your heart, guard your heart. Make a decisive decision to keep a good attitude and to keep a merry heart. Because a merry heart does good like a medicine. The Bible said in Proverbs 4.23, it says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. You see, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost beings. The welfare of your innermost being. Make sure you're thriving in your spirit. He's ruling. For from there flows the wellspring of life. You energize it by feeding on the word of God. 
and keeping company of like people like yourself. That's why we have so many of these different fellowships. As you keep attending to these fellowships, you'll be bubbling like a family forum, men's ministry, women's ministry, the young adults, uh, so many of them, you know, the believers meeting and so on. Your life will be bubbling because you will get there and hear things that will charge you up, that will energize, energize you and keep you going in your relationships. You have to question the source of any thought or feelings that shows up here. You take time and ask, what's your source? To be sure the source is from God or maybe the word of God. If it's not from God, it's not supported by the word of God, just throw it out, throw it into the garbage. Don't entertain it at all. Philippians 4 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if anything does not qualify into this, don't give it a second thought. Throw it into the garbage. It doesn't belong here. The Bible said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So for you to change what comes out, you have to change, change what you're feeding on. Like the, we are encouraged in Colossians to set your mind and keep it set on the things above. We are Christ lives. Set your mind and keep it set. It's your God-given responsibility to set your mind and keep it set on the things of God. And that's why it's important the kind of fellowships you keep. And also the kinds of things you allow yourself to watch at your free time. You have to be picky, 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 picky of the things that you allow through this uh, window of your eyes and even the things that get into your ears because they will affect you somehow. It's garbage in, garbage out. Don't say I picked it from my parents because we have a new home. We have a new family. We have a new father and father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's important you be sure on a daily basis that this fruit of your new man is manifesting through your life in your relationships. We have the highlights of it in Galatia 5, 23 said, but the fruit of the spirit, that is the fruit of your new nature because of the influence of the Holy Spirit of God that is in you is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, Say not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the traits that are already in you. You have to allow them to manifest. Remember, as Jesus is, so are you. So you don't have to be intimidated by anybody. You have Jesus in you. And as he is, so are you in this life. So be bold about displaying the love. Let nobody, you know, you know cow you down and say, ah, you act like as if you are Jesus' daughter. Of course, he's your senior brother, you know. The Bible said that he that is not loving is not made perfect in love. You don't know how deeply you're loved by God. But if you know you're deeply loved, keep displaying it. He said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, 
First John chapter 4, verse 19, he said, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. You don't even hate an unbeliever, not to talk of a fellow believer. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command that those who love God must, it's not even may, must also love their fellow believers. Amen? Choose to live a godly legacy that people around you, including your relations and even those that work with you, will want to follow. I wonder why Paul said in a, to the Corinthians, say, therefore I urge you, imitate me. In 1 Corinthians 4, 16. And then verse chapter 11 again, he said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Which means he is just simply following the footsteps of Jesus. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, let's read it together. He says there, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You can imagine the boldness for him to say, just simply copy me. Follow what I'm doing. You're good to go. Why, how did he arrive there? Galatia 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ in him. I have shared this, his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's living in total dependence upon him, upon what the word said. We know like fish totally dependent upon water. That's how we are supposed to be totally dependent upon him. We are not meant to live on our own. Our lives is supposed to be totally dependent upon him. It's not a man that lives to direct his steps. That's what he told us in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. We are supposed to be guided and directed by our new man who is exactly like Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the only way that can happen. So faith is not trying to make something that is not already there happen. Faith is bringing out of the spirit realm what is already there, what is already true about you. That is what faith is. You do not confess that you're righteous or that you love or you're patient in order to become righteous. You're already righteous and you're already love and you're already patient. You simply confess it because as you keep declaring it, you keep hearing it and you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the word of God. As you keep declaring it, confessing it, you become conscious of it, you live in the consciousness of it, you become sensitive to what you're confessing, and you find yourself getting in line with that, living that way. And of course, we know that it's impossible for God to lie. When he says you're patient, when he says you are loved, when he says you're righteous, is that's the truth about the matter. It's not describing your, the, your mind, will, and emotion. It's talking about the real you. That is, 
Christ in you. Amen? Remember we are told, let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. So the greatest weapon you can use against any of your enemies is love. You just love and love and love and love and love. And you don't have to be afraid or intimidated about anything because you know that God is for you, that God is with you, and he's the one who fights your battle. And he assured us in part of that uh, Hebrew chapter 13, verse 5, he said, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and I encourage and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? It's important that you know who is with you, who is in you, who is for you, so that even when they are not treating you right, just keep on loving. But like we shared on Thursday, remember you have the spirit of Christ in you to give you the green light or to alert you when you need to take some certain steps, you know, concerning your life, concerning the situation, especially when it brings, comes between life and death, when it becomes death-threatening. Follow the Spirit of God. Follow the guidance of your spiritual leaders. But give God the chance to fight your battles for you by living a life of love. By so doing, you allow God the opportunity to walk in those lives. That's why he said, overcome evil with good. What does it mean? Keep showing love. Because, like I said, love is the greatest weapon. As you keep showing love, at a point they are going to pause and say, ah, after all that I'm doing to him or her, and they, they begin to change, they begin to think, and the Holy Spirit will get an opportunity to walk in their lives. It might not be easy to the flesh, it might not be immediate, but the end result is always the best. I remember that one time, you know, when we were still in Nigeria, I had a house that I was leading, Obong House. I think I've shared that story before, but I think it's worth sharing again. Um, I was in a house called Danfodio. We were always the first in everything because I was living on the compound. And then one time the principal said, they're going to spread this good thing happening in Danfodio with other houses. And they put me, they took me out and put me in Auburn House. I didn't want to be there. I just didn't want to because this house, they were always last in everything. Last in inspection, last academically. If you look at their outlook, it's just so dull. Their uniform is nothing to write home about. I just didn't want to be there. I said, God. And he reminded me, you have the light of God in you. Go shine that light there. Go give those children love. I went in there with prayers. My family knew. Our morning devotion, night devotion, we were always praying about Obong Hase. The best is the best for Obong House. I began to teach those children. These were some of the scriptures I used on them. I said, Romans 13, 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then I gave them this one again. 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And then the other one, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I began to teach them. I'm the one that holds devotion with them at least three times in a week. The first day is usually the general assembly. But three times in a week, I had the privilege and opportunity to share scriptures. And I began to put words of love into these children. I began to tell them, you are loved by God. God loves you. And God loves me. And God is in me. He's in you. And you owe me love. Any one of them I see, you owe me love. Or you pay me. We became, it became a joke. But this was how we were known. And I went to the principal. I said, I want you to change this uniform. I don't want this door. It's a dull brown. I don't want, I, I want orange. I want something that is bright. Because even their beddings had to be the same color with their uniform. And the principal said she was going to grant that to me. The very next week, I didn't even know how she did that. The uniform changed. And things began to happen in Auburn House. They were always the sixth of all the other houses. I told them, with God, you can do all things. Your academics, you're going to excel. Bring God into the equation. You are going to excel in your academics. I began to encourage them, study the Bible and hear what God said about you. God loves you. Let me tell you, God is crazy about you. I was only showering them with the love of God, you know, blessing them, blessing them. And what happened? It didn't take one day. Years after year, we kept at it. They began to do well academically. They began to do well, you know, on sports. They began to do well in inspections. They, they, you know, their relationship, their, the, the facial attitude of their countenance changed because we put life into them. We began to teach them who they are, that they are love. They are products of love, and they are love, and they owe each other love. I will go every Saturday on my knees. I will join them. We do scrubbing. I will teach them how to do it. I will watch their uniforms. If anyone is not dressing properly, I will teach them. I will go out in the when, when it's... Um, you know, prep time, I want to make sure that they're actually studying. And these things began to work in the lives of these children. Our assembly days, they were filled up. The children that used to hide here and there not to come for assembly, they began to show up. And what happened? From the sixth position to the fifth position to the fourth position to the third position to the second position and the year I was to come here. They did a play. They mimicked everything I was doing with them. And I said, you're going to give me the first. I said, let me tell you now. Because you are products of love, all the other houses are afraid of you. They are terrified by the God in you. I need first position. This is what you're going to give me as my send-off. And they all worked so hard. And when they, met the, they, when they did everything that they did, and the announcement came, Auburn House first. <laughs> what you are saying to each other matters a lot. You have to encourage each other to know that they are loved. And you yourself love. You know, I like this prayer that Paul did. You know, and I pray this prayer for myself every day. In uh, Philippians 1, 9 and 10, 9 to 11, he said, 
And this I pray, that the, your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That this, this is one of my goals in life. I don't know how many years I've been praying this, and I keep praying it every day for myself. To be difficult to be offended. And not to stand on anybody's way from being all that the Father has destined for their lives. That's my goal. Verse 11 says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It has to be fruit of righteousness that is based on Jesus Christ. That's why it's not in your own strength. It's not by performance. It has to be something that is flowing from your new man. That's the kind of righteousness that God is seeking. He doesn't want you to do things just to impress or whatever. So if your family is struggling, struggling in any manner, just begin to pursue the kingdom and his righteousness, his character and ways of doing things. And you find out that all those things that are lacking, they will begin to be added to you because the steps of the righteous are ordered by him. As you begin to follow his word, he will begin to guide you steps one step after another. He said you should trust in the Lord and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Whether you're seeking God for life partner like we are told or maybe business or career or whatever, totally depend upon him. He is there to help you. He is there to guide you. He is the alpha and the omega of your life. He's, he is there for you to help you, to guide you. You seek counsel, like we are told, from your parents, from, from people, your, your leaders. They are going to help you. God has put things in place to help us so that we get things right. We have to, first of all, totally depend upon him. And then, uh, you know, the Bible said if you really, really love life and you want to see good days, in 1 Peter 3, 10 to 13, he said, Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that we are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And he, who is he who will harm you if you become follower of that which is good? So if you really, really love life and you want to see good days, the Bible says we should not return evil for evil. The original Greek word for blessing is a eulogius, which means to speak well of. To speak well of. That is the key to speaking blessing. So every time you speak well of something, you are blessing that thing and blessing and blessing. That blessing will begin to gradually manifest. So that's why, like I talked about Auburn House, change your words whether by writing or by your utterances or by the way you talk about your family, your marriage, speak blessings. Speak blessings to one another. And avoid complaining and murmuring or saying things that will aggravate matters. 
Seek blessings. Let every word that comes from your mouth be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Shall we all rise? I want us to pray this prayer. I will just pray this prayer and then we will stop. We used to sing a song that says, we are the chosen generation called for to show his excellence. So all we require for life, God has given us. We know who we are. So we are going to do some of those things right now. And I want you to say after me, say it like you mean it. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am righteous. I am holy. I am love. And therefore, I love. I speak in love to all around me. My words minister grace to the hearers. I choose to walk in love. I listen to counsel from my spiritual leaders. I am patient. And I deal patiently with people. I am peaceful. And I pursue peace with all men. I am difficult to offend. I forgive very easily. I am respectful. And I respect man. And I give man dignity that God has put around me. I am joyful. I display this joy everywhere I have the opportunity. I am gentle and I deal gently with all men. I display self-control and I am humble, totally submitted to God. I do only his will and not my will. Amen. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. You're faithful. That's who we are and that's who we will continue to be by the power of your spirit that is at work in us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.